God is so good, isn't he? And so I just want to get right into my sermon. And God uh, put it on my heart again. I wasn't sure which direction to go, as sometimes. And um, I had a couple of different things that the Lord was um, dealing with and in, in, in the church and um, just uh, to bring his messages and a couple different directions, you know, that he's constantly, sometimes he's telling me things to teach, but it's not yet. It's not now. So I don't always know. So um, I wasn't quite sure uh, if, the, if God was giving me something for weeks ahead or for this week or, or so on. But I, I really ended up coming back to this verse as the anchor that we've been working on these last weeks, and it's Luke 18, verses 8, right? Luke 18 is the parable of the unjust judge, right? But God's the just judge, and, we, and uh, the woman got before the unjust judge, and finally, with enough asking, even he did something, and, and God says, I'm the just judge. I'm looking for my people to seek me, to, to ask me, to pray, to fast, Gather together and be expectant. God is actually looking for his people to be expectant. God is wondering sometimes why uh, his church is um, filled with so little faith, not faith for things to happen, but faith that God is actually still alive, that he's still active, that he's still doing, he's working in your life, he has a plan, he has a purpose, and we may not say, God, I don't believe you, we may not say those words, we may not say, um, God, I don't trust you, but as soon as we get into fear and we get into worry and we start just getting into the grind of life without asking God for his will and without just praising him that he is, that he's in control and he's doing it. And we just get into our own way into, into the motions of life. And that can be in a pride thing, just going through the motions, or it can be in fear. But either one, we start leaving God behind. And as soon as we do that, we're leaving behind faith and we're getting into a works and, um, and into, uh, you know, a, a self human driven life. And so, Jesus actually warned us that in the last days, and I believe that we're there, he says, when the Son of Man, verse 8, when the Son of Man returns, how many, or the New King James says, will I, right? How many will I find on the earth who have faith? Or the New King James says, will I find faith on the earth when I return? And so he's not looking for faith for you to go and do and be. All right, Jesus is not looking for that faith in you. That just happens automatically, right? When you have truly been changed, remember when you first got changed by Jesus? Remember when that first happened or you had a, a re-coming back? Who had a renewal in your life? Who's had at least one renewal where you came back to God again? All right, is everybody in here at at least one time where you just came back again? And what happens? Do you need to try to work up faith? Anybody here go, all right, let me work up my faith. And let me, you remember those, um, who had those Nike pump shoes? Remember the little basketball on the, you remember? Men and women, they were popular for guys and girls, 80s and 90s. If you're young, you don't even know what I'm talking about. But uh, you could pump it up and tighten up your shoe. Pump it up. <laughs> and... Um, and that was a, a way to strengthen, you know, give that a little bit extra that your laces couldn't do, and it was just cool, right? Just cool that you had that. You can't pump up your faith, all right? Faith is not something you just pump up. All right, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go do something today, so let me pump up my faith. No, what happened is God had done something in your heart. You were in love with Jesus. And you didn't have to try to show that love to someone else. You just wanted to know him and you wanted to express it in simplicity. If you've gotten to a place where you feel like you need to pump it up, then you're not in faith anymore. Now you, that's the most obvious sign that you've crossed over into a works place and into a fear and worry place in your life. And the solution is not to try to get faith rustling and going. It won't work the solution is to go back to Jesus. Remember, it's all about that name right there. And that name is just not, not just a name, but it's the character. It's the man. 
It's the son of God. It was the 100% human being, 100% son of God, God himself on the earth, Jesus. It's all about him. Everything in the Old Testament up until the book of Matthew pointed to Christ, and everything from Matthew to Revelation tells us about what Christ did while he was on the earth, what he's going to do through us today, and to finally wrap things up and bring us a new heaven and a new earth. It all points to this man right here, this Jesus. And so when we get to that place where maybe our faith is waning, then there's one simple solution. We need to get back to Christ. We need to start spending some more intimate time with him again. We need to cry out. You know, sometimes you even need to tell, you need to speak it out loud and just tell yourself, hey, you know, you can call yourself whatever you want. I might call myself dummy sometimes. Like, hey, dummy. Like, don't be stupid here. Like, hello, what are you doing? Don't get in the rat race. Don't just get in the, don't just, just, just get moving and going and, and doing. What are you doing? Slow down. Remember that my life is not my own, that I've given my life to Jesus and that he's got a plan and he's got a purpose. And I could run, 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 run my whole life and try to do and try to be and waste my time. Who wants to waste time? Who knows that time is the most precious thing you have? It's the only thing that even the richest of the rich cannot buy. Time is the only thing you cannot buy. Even they could buy, you get to the richest of the rich and, and it just, they, there's nothing that they can't afford, but you cannot buy time. I don't want to waste time because it's so precious. I want to make it count. And so I'm sometimes going to do exactly what is opposite to the world, which is to go into that place with Christ, which is wasting time because you're not getting stuff done. Wow, right? We want to get stuff done. But the kingdom is opposite. The kingdom of God is the inside, outside, upside down kingdom, right? You have to stop doing the stuff and go spend some time with Jesus doing no stuff, because who has found that when you come back out of that place, that your stuff gets done a lot quicker and easier <laughs> or becomes irrelevant? I'm not saying every single time. We had a really good prayer time recently, and then that day was really stressful and hot and annoying. And then sometimes days are going to, some days are going to be like that. And it's just the devil, you know, trying to put a little pressure on you to try to get you to stop praying. But who has seen you just keep praying, you keep seeking the Lord, and the stuff starts to become, eh. Not such a big deal anymore or a lot easier or irrelevant or just disappears. The very thing you thought you needed to do, all that stuff just somehow goes away. And so Jesus asked this question, will I find faith? And I think sometimes we could read that verse and then we could be like, man, I need to get my faith worked up because, because I need to, we need to have faith because Jesus said it's going to be hard to find. Am I going to find it? I need faith. And it's not something we can work up. We need to fall more and more in love with Jesus. We need to have a complete and total revelation upon revelation upon revelation. That's what the word says. It's precept upon precept, revelation upon revelation. And it's not some weird, heady place. You don't get, they had a saying in Christianity where they said, you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. We don't want to be out there in the clouds and we just have, we have no touch with reality here and the people around us, but we need to get away. We need to get away from this system and away from this world and even the church system to an extent and get into Christ, get back to the early church, to the Bible, to the church of the Bible, to the early believers that just were, they were in love with God and they loved people, not because it was a command, even though Jesus said it was the equal command. We call it the second command, but he says the second is like it. He doesn't call it the second command. The second is like it. It's an equal command to loving God as loving people. So it's a command, but it just was natural. It's not hard to love others when you love Jesus. And if you find that's actually a good red flag, God gives us some indicators. You know those flashing lights on your dashboard in your car? All right, those are there for a reason, all right? And when the, the light starts flashing, that you don't love each other, 
You're starting to fight with your brothers and sisters, flashing light. Boom, 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 boom. Starts blinking. That's a good indicator that my love actually towards God is waning. And we just actually read that this week in our Bible study that in 1 John it says that if you don't love people, you don't love God. It's black and white, plain and simple. It is so simple. The gospel's simple. Plain and, it's straight up. You don't, some people say, I love God. I just don't like people. I don't love people. Well, then that's impossible. That's impossible. If you love God, you love people. It doesn't mean you need to be around every person all the time. But you love them. You love them. And you pray for them. And you bless them. All right, that needs to be clear because some people think you love them means you need to hang out with them all the time. And I'm not saying that, but that you love them. And so the faith that he's talking about, I just wanted to be clear here, is, you know, really what this little parable that we've been going on for weeks about is, it's about somebody who says, I know where the answer is. It's in God. And we go to him. That's Faith is turning to God. It's not doing something. It's not, I've got faith. I can do it. It's you turning to God. I know where the answer is. When we turn to him, we don't have the answer. We are not capable. We can't do it. We have a deficit. A love deficit, maybe. I've got a deficit on love right now, Lord, so I'm going to go spend time with you because when I come out of your presence, I come back out with love. Or whatever else the answer is, whatever else you're seeking, he is the only way. You cannot do it in your own strength. I just want you to say that out loud. I cannot do it in my own strength. You know, a lot of times people say, I can do all things. You can do all things. I just, I was in... um, City of Poughkeepsie this week, and I heard, overheard, um, there was like a, there's a uh, GED slash um, get you into society program, and I just overheard one of the, I was working at one of their places, and I overheard one of the teachers talking to the, the kids, and I understood what he was saying, and what he was saying was not wrong, it's just not the whole truth. He was telling them, you can do anything, you can set your mind to it, you can do anything, you can accomplish And it's not wrong, right? There is an extent that you can do amazing things. Our bodies can actually go way, 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 right? The military teaches us that. It goes way, 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 way beyond what you think you're capable of. You can hold your breath for, if life is at stake, you can hold your breath for minutes, not seconds like we all do underwater, right? Minutes. I mean, you can do way, 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 way more beyond what you think you can. And there's, so there's an extent that God's kind of just wired into our DNA that can do. But do you know what? No matter how great you are, no matter how smart you are, no matter how fast you are, no matter how, how good you are with money and how good you are with your hands, eventually your strength runs out. Eventually you run out. Eventually, you know, there's always somebody smarter. There's always someone faster. And if you want to live in that world, you're going to be outsmarted, right? Someone's going to beat you. You want to go live in that world and do it in your own strength. Eventually, someone replaces you, right? That's society. And, the, and we can read that Solomon says, you were just like dust. You, you rose up and then your name is now forgotten, right? Remember Solomon goes on and on about that, about vanity of vanities, right? I don't want to live in vain. Who wants to live in vain? Who wants your name to rise up and be somebody and do something, but really, after your life, your name just falls down as quickly as it came up? In fact, it says in Solomon, it says, even if you were the guy that, you know, you, you accumulated a whole bunch of wealth and all these things, if you were that guy, it gets handed down to the next generation, and you have no control over what they do with it. They go and they squander it, and they ruin it, and waste it, and you gave your whole life to try to build this thing, try to make something that the next generation ruins anyway. We don't want to do that, do we? We want to be the people of God who seek our God, who know our God, who turn to him. We just turn to him. We don't live in vain. We don't need to accomplish. We don't need to do. We just rest in him and he accomplishes it through you. You know, you have no goals, no aspirations on your own. You have God's goals. You have God's aspirations. You have his plan. 
and his purpose. Some people argue whether, you know, you have a choice in the matter, and I don't want to get into that at all, because it kind of seems like God forces us into some things sometimes, doesn't he? He's pretty good at making his position clear and kind of pushing us into the place he wants us to be, doesn't he? But um, the point is that God has a plan and a purpose for every single individual. God has a plan and a purpose for you uniquely. You are uniquely different than the people right beside you. And yet God has also called us to be one body. It's only in God, only in the kingdom that this works. We are uniquely special to God. We are uniquely fashioned uh, from God for a specific purpose. And if we try to do and we try to go and we try to be and all these things, sometimes we can look accomplished. Sometimes we can look like we've done and we've made something. And you know, at the end of the day, unless it was what God put us on this earth for, we've wasted our time. All you built was a fancy sandcastle. You ever see those sandcastles that are like amazing? And then you know what they do next? right? If they don't destroy it, the ocean's going to in a couple hours. Be right back up there and destroy that thing. We don't want to do that. We want to build what lasts into eternity. The Bible says you can build with all kinds of materials. You can build with wood, hay, and stubble. Everybody say wood, hay, and stubble. You know what wood, hay, and stubble are? They are composed. They're, they're compost. That's the word. They're compost. They become soil again. They came from the soil and they go back to soil. But it says you can also build with gold, silver, and, and jewels, right? Precious stones. You know where the gold, silver, and precious stones come from? They don't come from the soil. They come from the pressure. They come from the fire. They come from the heat. They come from the weight of the earth pressing down upon that substance, right? The same carbon that everything's made out of, right? And, and this diamond is formed, this precious diamond, and you can then put that in the fire and it's still going to be a diamond, right? So you can take the gold and the silver and you might get it to get softer and get it to become into a liquid state, but it's always going to be gold and silver, right? We want to take into eternity what lasts. We want to build with what lasts. We don't want to run and just and do. We want to bring into eternity what truly will last forever and ever, not in vain, and so Jesus asked this question, and, and, and I think every single day, every opportunity, everything we go through is actually an opportunity for us to say, God, you have this day. God, you have my life. God, you have this situation. God, you have our relationship. God, you have these children. God, you have my workplace. God, you have my business. Like, are we truly giving it all over to God? Or do we say, God, I love you on Sundays, and God, I love you in your devotional time, but then you don't mean to, but you get right back into the rat race of life. Is anybody like the rest of us that gets right back into it? And, and in some ways, your question might be, well, tell me what I'm supposed to do, because at the end of the day, I still need to put food on the table, right? So some, in some ways, we don't know, like, well, what am I supposed to do? And you know, it's not you going to work, it's not, the, it's not the doing part, it's the heart. It's the condition of the heart. You ever see somebody who's just, they just go with the strides of, of <laughs> man, even in the world, they're so at peace, doesn't affect them, just doesn't affect them. Then you got the other extreme, man. Oh man, you have the other extreme where the simplest, littlest thing, man, the world is the sky is falling. The sky is falling. I have this uh, liquid. Are we doing okay, guys, today? Because I, I drive a diesel, we have this liquid we got to put in the exhaust. Thank you, EPA, and I'll leave it at that. But we got to put this special liquid in the diesel trucks, and it's good for the environment and stuff. So, But anyway, it's uh, called DEF fluid, DEF fluid. And um, I got... Uh, a gallon of it, but I had heard a rumor that be careful, these auto places, when you buy it, people, they buy them, 
They use them. They film. It looks exactly like water. It's crystal clear like water. For all we know, it is water with a smell in it, you know, and you're just paying $15 for this gallon. But anyway, um, I had heard a rumor, be careful. If you ever find one open or seems like it could be open, don't use it because someone might be just trying to steal 15 bucks. They use it and they return it. And people are, I mean, this is the world we live in. So I recently had gotten uh, a box of, it's, com- it's like in a box and the container inside. And so I opened the box and the container seemed like it was open. So I brought it back and I said, I just want to exchange it. And so the guy was like not listening to me or not paying attention that I think it's open. So he goes to do the barcode and turns it upside down right over the computer and register and it just comes out everywhere. I mean, all over the place. Now this guy was already a little edgy. He was already, you know, that personality. They're like, Lots of sighing. You ever hear, you know, people that just sigh? It's like, listen, man, listen. I don't think anybody forced you to work here. You don't want to work here, that's fine, but you should let them know. Because, like, I'm just the customer trying to buy this thing, and so he's already doing that. Not, not because I brought it back. He was doing that when I left. So now I come back. He was nice about me bringing it back. No problem. He's not listening. He goes all over the place. This guy, oh my gosh. You would swear we poured pure liquid acid all over the store. This guy starts, he gets the gloves. I mean, the store, there's a whole line of people. The other guy's like, well, he goes, in the most calm voice, the other guy goes, maybe we should help the rest of the customers first and then deal with this. Just totally calm, very logical. And he's like, he goes, this is a biological emergency. (laughs) Oh man. I'm just standing there, the guy's looking at me, he's like, Listen, you can go through life two different ways. You got the one guy next to him, he's like, don't sweat it, we'll clean it up. I'm not saying he's gonna like not clean it up, but why don't we help the customers first and we'll clean it up in a minute. We can choose to be either, can't we? Who's been both of those people? And you know, we've got this funny thing in Christianity called faith. And we think faith is like, your temperament, it, it, uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's not your temperament. It's like this like superpower, like this thing, like, like I'm just going to do and I'm going to accomplish and make. But it, it's so simple. It's so much simpler than that. It's literally a heart. And do you know the entire Bible, you can sum up Genesis to Revelation into one word, which is Heart. It's really all that God's ever been after his entire uh, career as God with us. (laughs) He was always God. It's like had to become like a job with us. He's after our hearts. And it's so simple. We just need to choose to say, okay, God, I surrender. Are we doing that all day, every day? Do you know that that's truly the definition of faith? Faith is not, I can do it. Faith is, God, you can do it. Faith is when we say, you know what? I can't do this, but God can. I don't know when and how and where and so on, but God can. Let me read you a story. I just want to go into this quickly. I don't, hopefully um, you guys are with me. Are we doing okay today? I want to go into the book of Judges, which is a tough book to read for believers. Who knows the book of Judges? It's a tough book because it's a roller coaster in Judges. The Bible's like that too, but especially Judges. And um, God had brought them into the promised land now. They're in the promised land. Like he did an amazing work already. And yet now they just waver, 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 waver. And I think all Christians really should read these, these chapters. It says something in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that 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 there is a faith that these men had. 
and uh, men and women had. And it says in Hebrews 11, verse 6, it says it's impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe. Everybody say they must believe that God exists and that he rewards those. Thank you for those that are still going. He rewards those who sincerely seek him. Okay, so faith is, right, those that are seeking him. Anyone who wants to, you, can, you guys can stop now, but thank you. Thank you. That was the participation I was looking for. Thank you for those that did. Extra credit. You just got stars next to your name. But it's those who sincerely seek him. They believe that he exists and they seek him. They believe in him. It says it's impossible to please God without faith. And anyone who wants to come to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. So it's, I believe you, God, and I know where to go for every single solution. Every single, I'm, I'm having a tough time breathing. Well, I know the guy who created the breath that goes into my lungs. I'm going to seek him. Come on, does that make any sense? So it says down in verse 32, we go on about this, we call this the hall of faith in Christianity, Hebrews 11. But in verse 32, um, just for time, it says, how much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon. Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and all the prophets. Verse 33, by faith. Everybody say, by faith. These people overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice, and they received what God had promised them. So by faith, they overthrew kingdoms. They ruled with justice. They received what God had promised them. They shut the mouth of lions, quenched the flames of fire, escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness, everybody say their weakness, was turned to strength. And they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. That's what Hebrews says about faith. It's impossible to please God without it. And these guys, when they got a hold of it, their weakness turned to strength. I love that because I want you to look now and judge us at this guy Gideon, right? Did everybody just see what Hebrews, I mean, post-Christ, right? Post the cross, right? When you see somebody in the New Testament, quote, an Old Testament character, we can believe them. I mean, I would believe them anyway, but some people want to put this dividing line between the old and the new. The New Testament quotes and says that Gideon was a man of faith and that by his faith, some things happened, some things were accomplished. And let's look here in the book of Judges. Are we all good? Judges chapter 6 verse 2 says that there was a a nation called Midian and, and they were oppressing the Israelites and they were... Um, cruel to them, and so they had to hide in caves and in the mountains and in strongholds. And in verse 5, the enemy hordes coming with uh, their livestock and tents were as thick as locusts, and they they arrived with too many uh, uh, droves of camels, too numerous to count. And it says they stripped the land bare, verse 5. And then in verse 6, it says, so they were reduced to starvation because of this oppressing nation, the Midianites. And if you read Judges, go and read it. They brought this on themselves, but God doesn't leave us there, does he? Who's thankful God doesn't leave you even in a situation that you brought on yourself? Come on. He loves us so much. His love is so great that he doesn't leave us even when we've brought it on ourselves. So anyway, that's not the point of today's message. You can go read that story. That's the roller coaster of those verses. But here's what it says. It says, so verse 11, so the Lord comes. Who's thankful the Lord comes? He shows up. They cry out after verse 6, between verse 6 and 11, they cry out, they seek God. And so God's got an answer. Verse 11, and the angel of the Lord came and he sat beneath the great tree of Ophrah, which belonged to Joash of the clan of Abiezer. And Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom. Everybody say at the bottom 
of a wine press, it says to hide the grain from the Midianites. So he's in a secret hiding place. He's down inside of a wine press and he's doing it in secret and he's hiding from the enemy. What did Hebrews 11 say? It says this great man of faith, Gideon, a great man of faith. When the angel of the Lord came and found him, he was hiding. He wasn't out there and he's like, you know what? I got nothing to fear. I got nothing to worry about. My God is God. He's great. I'm just going to, I'm going to do my thing right in front of the enemy. No, he's down and he's hiding. And it says that, it says that the Lord says to him, verse 12, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. I want you to hear this today. This is what the Lord is saying to every single person in this room. You know, when the Lord comes to you, this is not a self-help. This is not just some motivational sermon. This is the truth of the word. This is the word of God. You know that God sees you who you really are. Do you know that the person that you are when we get away from God is not really who you are? It's not who you were meant to be. You're not called to be there. God did not make anybody a murderer. I don't care what you think and what teaching you've heard. Nobody was born to murder. Nobody was born to be a criminal. That was not your plan. God uses all things though, doesn't he? He works all things together. He uses your alcoholism. He uses even murders, gang lords, right? Who, who turned and came to the Lord. The Lord has actually a mighty uh, testimony inside them and he'll use it. But they weren't born to be that. He's just good at using, right? I mean, look at us. Look at us here. He's good at using. <laughs> I'm not making you worthless, but he's good at using little. I'll just refer to myself. He's good at using little and good at using small. He can make something of your life. He calls you who you are, not who you think you are, not who people say you are. Come on. He calls you who you are. He says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. So Gideon replies, everybody say if. We talked about another riff last week. We talked about the conditional if. There's a lot of ifs in the Bible, and God gives us conditions, but this is now Gideon saying back to the Lord, if. He goes, if the Lord is with us, why? Everybody say, why? why? Has all this happened to us? And everybody say, and where? So he says, if. He says, why? He says, where? Where are all the miracles? our ancestors told us about. Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? Man, listen to this faith. You hear this faith? He doesn't have faith, does he? Doesn't sound like faith, does it? Doesn't sound like faith. It says that he says, the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but, so he says, if, why, where, but, now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. And there are many sermons in this, but I'm just breezing through this because I'm trying to get somewhere, get uh, something into your heart today. It says, go with the strength you have. Everybody say, the strength, the strength. I have. You know, the Lord doesn't need your strength. You know what the Lord needs? You to go. <laughs> That's it. He just needs you to, to listen to him. When he says to stay, you stay. When he says to go, you go. When he says for you to do, you do. That's it. That's all he needs. God only needs obedience. Did you know that the simplest definition, I give you lots of definitions and I change them all the time. The simplest definition today for faith is obedience. It's the simplest definition. Because really, the, it's the very, we'll go all the way back to the garden. Adam and Eve, just, just recognize I'm God. That's it. That's all I'm saying. You just recognize I'm God and, and, and paradise is yours. That's all you have to do. Just, I'm God, you're human beings, but I'm gonna give you paradise. There's no death. There's no pain. I mean, everything was there to, to help them. Everything was for them. The whole thing, like literally the whole thing. Adam named all the animals. Amazing. But recognize I'm God. 
You know that all that that's really all that God needs us to do? Call him God. Once he becomes God in your life, that's all the faith he needs. Whenever, when our faith is waning, we just don't recognize he's God. We've become God again, or maybe our friend's advice has become God again, or Google became God again. Google's smarter than God. I could go to God, but I can also go to Google. I can get any answer I want. I mentioned that some weeks ago. I can even get, I can get really quality, good Christian answers off of Google. But maybe it's not what God says. All he needs is you to do what he tells you to do. And so he's asking all these questions, all these questions. I, I, I preached it once and I couldn't find where I had written it, but I remembered saying it. God's not offended by your questions and your questioning. Just don't question God while you're questioning. Does that make sense? Just don't question God while you're questioning. You can have questions, but just resolve that, you know what? I mean, I, you know how many questions I have unanswered that I'm okay with? I don't need to know. And or God can tell me if and when he wants to on this life. But I've just resolved, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to listen to you no matter what. I don't, I'm not going to try to go, I'm not going to wait for you to explain everything to me first. I'm not going to try to, to I'm not going to go running off in my own strength because that's easier because that I can figure out and, and people can tell me and coach me how to do that. But trusting you is, is blind in many ways because it's just obedience. But real faith happens when this happens. This is what it says. It says, but the Lord said to him, he said in verse 16, I will be with you. He continues in verse 15, he says, uh, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I'm the least in my entire family. You know, God is not interested in any of that. You think that God was surprised when Gideon told God that? You think that God didn't know exactly who Gideon was? You think God doesn't know who you are? You think God doesn't know your past? You think that God doesn't know your future? Wow, that's the most important part. He doesn't really care. All he needs is someone willing and obedient. You know, the Bible says that God is searching the whole earth. God is literally searching the earth for somebody that will just say, yes, Lord, and just keep surrendering. You know, I preached it before when we got the, this, this major, major mile marker in the Bible between Saul and David, right? It sets the tone for much of the word. And Saul grows up in his own strength. God says, I'm gonna go find someone after my own heart. What was the difference between Saul and David? David just said, Lord, he, he said, God, right? He wrote in the Psalms. David wrote in the Psalms, who am I? that you think about me? Who am I that you even care? I'm so little, but you care about me and you've blessed me and you've been there for me. And David had many, many trials. He was literally pursued. And if Saul could catch him, he, wanted to, he was gonna kill him for, depending on how you, you look at that, I mean, over 10 years on the run. But he's like, God, you're my God. Faith is not doing amazing things. It's not running and doing and being. It's trusting God. It's just being obedient to God. You get that right, you will do exploits. Who knows that David did some things, but he didn't trust in his own strength. He trusted in God. And so we've got this guy Gideon here, and I don't want to just carry on forever, but it says that, he, that God tells him in verse 16, I'll be with you. That's all we need to know. That's all you need to know here today. God is telling you the same thing. I'll be with you. And I think so many times as believers, we forget that, that God is with us. God is with me. God himself. Like literally, Jesus said, I won't leave you orphans, that we literally have God himself, not just with us, but through the Holy Spirit inside of us. He says, I'm with you, but soon I'll be in you. Isn't that amazing? 
he's probably the least talked to, least recognized part of God is the Holy Spirit, which is actually God in spirit inside you at all times. We, we pray, Jesus, come into my heart, which is I'm not opposed to praying those words. But if you want to be technical, we want to split hairs. Jesus doesn't come into your heart. The Holy Spirit does. Jesus sitting on the throne next to the Father. That's what the Bible says. I'm not, listen, you, you, I'm not saying you didn't get saved when you pray those prayers. And, and, and in, obviously in a sense that it's, it is Jesus because they're one. Try to figure that out with our human minds. But technically it's the Holy Spirit. And he's with us. And so many times we're like, but we go, we go, why, where, but, how, if, to God. And all we're doing when we're just trying to figure stuff out and we're going and we're doing and we're being and we're questioning and all those things is just doubting God. But this is what we need to do. This is, this is it. God's not offended when you do that. I know that that could sound heretical because like, what do you mean? We're talking about faith, but that's not faith. No, this is faith. Faith is that he had all those questions, but do you know what God says to him? He says, now listen, he says uh, in verse 25, I want you to go and I want you to tear your father's altars down. And when you did this, this was like, this would be a death. You take down the altars, you're dead, man. So he does it at night. It says in, in 25 through 27, you can see 27, he says he, he did it at night because he was afraid. Everybody say he was afraid. But he did it. Everybody say, but he did it. That's faith. You think you're not going to be, you think that David wasn't afraid when he looked at Goliath? Just because he stood out there and did it doesn't mean he wasn't afraid. Even Jesus, I know that we can't wrap our heads around this because he's the son of God, but Jesus was also fear, not fearful like I won't do it, but I bring this up often because I think it's so relative for Christians to understand this because then it it breaks this superhero shell off of us and makes us human again that has to rely on God. We need to rely on God. You cannot do it in your own strength. Even Jesus was so stressed that his body was sweating blood at what the cross would be. Even Jesus, but he did it. Come on, this is your message today. Don't get in your own strength, but that doesn't mean that God's not gonna ask you to do it. And when he asks you to do it, you're not going to want to, and you're going to have questions. <laughs> but you do it because God's asked you to do it, and you know that God's with you. And, and what's amazing in that Hebrews 11, and maybe I'll get more into that chunk there where we have Gideon and, and uh, Samson, and, and where we just kind of sandwich the names together, and it says that they uh, went through fire and through the lines. We got Daniel in there. We got Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego in there. That's what we're talking about. And these were guys that were willing to die. They're willing to die, trusting God. I'll tr I'd rather trust God and die than try to be Superman, Superwoman, and do my own thing and try to like super my way out of it, super faith my way out of it. That's not faith. Faith is I'm trusting in God. And, and, and my trust in God is so great that it's going to look like no faith to you in the world because to the world, it's going to look like, well, they died. But that's the greatest testament of faith because they trusted God to the very end. But to the world, they go, well, they didn't have much faith. They died. And meanwhile, in heaven, a party's going on because they did not, it says in Revelation, they did not love their lives unto the death. Come on, guys. Are we getting anything out of this today? So he does it. And then this is what's amazing. See, it's going to take you just doing it. That's faith. You just do it. You just do it because God said to do it. You just trust God because God's God. We have his word. We just have to come to terms with, you know what? I either believe this Bible or not. I believe that God is who he is. I believe that he is who he says he is. I believe that Jesus, I believe that he said he was coming again. I believe that he says he's, he's gonna try my works. I believe that he says that if he comes and he finds me beating the servants and off doing other things when I should be doing what he asked me to do, he's gonna deal with me pretty sharply. 
I believe these things, so because I believe it, I'm still afraid. I don't know what it's going to look like. I don't know how it's going to turn out. I don't know where we're going to end up in the natural, but I know that God's got us, and I know that he never fails us, and that's what he does. And so just very quickly, I'm not going to read you all the text. We know the story, but you can go ahead and read it. It's in Judges chapter 6 and in 7, the story here. And so he, he's, there's some more questioning. Remember, if you're a Christian, you've been a Christian a while, you know when we say we're going to put the fleece before God, right? I'm going to fleece God. That's where it comes from. It comes from Gideon, all right? So he was a questioning individual, and yet he's in the hall of faith because he did not let his questioning stop him from doing what God asked him to do. He had doubts. He had fears. He had worries. And and that's the thing. That's where the Bible says, be angry, but don't sin. How is that possible? That means that anger rises up. Fear comes. Worry comes. Stress comes. Life comes. It's what you do with it. I love the military. I was never in, but I truly honor those that were, and I truly honor those that have served. I really do. I really, really do. We got another one over here too, trying to recognize each of them in here. There's such a testament to, you know, that they were afraid, right? They were stressed out beyond the brink. I mean, they, they want to push you beyond you. The whole point is to get you to break. If you haven't broken yet, they're not pushing you hard enough. You will break. They want to find that point so that you see, wow, I could go so, so, so. That breaking point, though, is so far beyond what you thought you were. It's so, so, so far beyond. And I love that because there's a natural strength in a human, but if we can take that, that and that's what, Take that and put it into God, okay? Not you doing it. Let's just put that into the kingdom now. God is not offended at you getting stressed out. (laughs) He is not offended at you saying, God, where are you? Where were you? You know what God gets offended at? His word's clear. When we get offended at God, and then we walk away. But do you know, I read my word and I'm shocked by who God gives grace and mercy to. Who is also shocked? All they have to do is humble themselves and say, Lord, all of that. I mean, like I killed like all those people. I was a horrible individual, but Lord, forgive me and I want to make it right. And the Lord's like, okay. What? What? The Lord is not judging. Come on, he is not judging the questionings. He doesn't judge you and your stress. He's, he's just saying, but turn to me. Turn to me. Turn to me. Trust in me. Trust in me. Trust in me. That's exactly what Gideon does. You know the story. He's got all kinds of questioning. He questions, 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 questions. And it honestly, just, just like that military person, it drives him to where there's nothing left, right? I mean, he literally, God reduces him down, right? That's the story. That's the real 300. Don't watch the other 300 as Christians. If you've seen it, I forgive you. The Lord forgives you. Lord forgives me. But this is the real 300, right? The Lord says, no, 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 no. He's like, if he goes, he says, if you take all these people into, into battle, you take all these guys and you go and fight this thing, then they might think you did this. God's like, I can't do that. We can't have people thinking that Gideon did this. Gideon's in the hall of faith, yet, but Gideon can't do it. It needs to be God. Gideon, so he reduces his military force down to 300. And in the end, they don't really, all that they do is in the beginning, they do end up swinging their swords, lots of bloodshed eventually. But initially, he just says, I want you to stand up there. I want you to take a lantern. I want you to smash it to the ground. I want you to, to, to yell, right? He just says, yell, and he says, for the Lord and for Gideon. And, then, and they do that. And, and then the army, it actually says, the Lord caused them to start fighting amongst themselves. 
And then all Gideon and his guys have to do is just pursue them, just drive them all the way out. Just keep driving them till they're out. Get them out of your land, get them out of your region. But God did it. It was God. Then something happens, right? What happens then? When God starts doing something and now you're running with God, what happens? Then there's the faith that we might define as faith because something begins to happen. You start seeing God working. Come on, who's been there? Who starts seeing God doing something in your life and what happens to your faith then? And then you feel like, I can do anything. We don't forget that it was God. <laughs> but something starts to grow in you. Wow, God can actually do what he said he can do. And when we trust him initially, which could be our death, then all of a sudden he brings you into a place where he's like, okay, now we're going to do some things. Now we're really going to, now we're going to, we're going to move an army. We're going to move a mountain. We're going to really do some things through your life. It's still not going to be you, but all I need you to do is just be obedient. Don't be, don't worry about your life. Don't try to save your life. Jesus said it. Come on, this is New Testament and Old Testament. Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose your life. You're willing to lose your life, you'll save your life. It's very elementary. The whole word is the same story. And they go on and they do exactly what he asked them to do. And it says that throughout the rest of Gideon's lifetime, about 40 years, there was peace in the land. God's good, isn't he? He loves us so much. He's got a plan and a purpose for this church and for each individual. And I just pray, Lord God, Lord, get a hold of us. Lord, come and find us, even in our fear, even in our trembling, Lord, even in our worries and our doubts, even in our hiding place. Lord, we're just hiding now. I, Lord, we just want our little corner of heaven here on earth and just leave me alone. I'll love you. I'll be a Christian, but don't make me do anything. Lord, we just want to like carve out this little safety zone, just like Gideon. And Lord, you come and you say, no, I want you to get out of that place. I want you to come up and out and I want you to trust me. And I'm going to take you into this world. I'm going to take your voice. I'm going to take your testimony. I'm going to take your life out into this world. And it'll be scary at times. You won't know when, where, and why, and how, and what I'm doing. But you just trust me, and I'm going to do it. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that that's going to be us, that you're going to do that in us, Lord. And that's what you're trying to get us to believe, Lord, and to trust you. And we will be the ones, Lord, that will say to you, yes, Lord, we did have our faith. It won't be us that you're going to say Luke 18, 8 about. We're not going to be included in that, Lord. We're going to be ones that said, no, we did keep trusting. We kept trusting him. We trusted him. No, we did not go into that category of no faith, but we just kept trusting him and he did something amazing in our lives and through our lives. And we just give you glory, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.